You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Dr. Howard Taub, Vice President and Associate Director of Hewlett-Packard Laboratories, goes on the record online. There's still film being used in movies today. There's still a feeling to film that you don't quite get from digital recording. But I don't doubt that that's going to change in a few years. Film eventually will go away. And thank you for downloading another episode of On the Record Online, the podcast that brings you the story behind the story. Now, if this is your first time listening, this is the podcast where we do in-depth one-on-ones with journalists from the mainstream media, as well as from time to time, conversations with influential bloggers, podcasters, and newsmakers about how technology is changing and threatening to disrupt the mainstream media business as we know it. I'm your host, Eric Schwartzman, founder and chairman of iPressroom Corporation. We have a web-based content management platform that's used by non-technical people, like marketing people and PR people, to manage online marketing and online PR campaigns. Uh, The application allows you to point and click your way through anything from email marketing and search engine optimization to video video and audio on demand. Uh, And uh, you can get more information about that at www.ipressroom.com. Today we have a one-on-one interview with Howard Taub. He is the VP and Associate Director at Hewlett-Packard Laboratories, uh, where he's been for, uh, I believe, almost 21 years. And uh, he's got a very interesting perspective on new media and technology, uh, being involved with all sorts of interesting developments up at uh, HP, which he's going to tell us about. Um, But he also talks about how to make sure all those pictures you've been taking and uh, digital video you've been filming is still around uh, when you're dead and gone and, and, and your grandchildren want to see what you look like. Uh, so I think you'll find that very interesting. Uh, another thing I would like to mention uh, is if you're interested in learning how you can integrate new media into your traditional marketing and PR campaigns, uh, I'd like to let you know that I've been recruited by UCLA to teach an introduction to new media PR uh, that's going to start January 24th, 2007. It'll run Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We're going to bring in a number of different experts in blogging, podcasting, and uh, new media, including the GM of LATimes.com, a gentleman by the name of Rob Barrett, who's going to talk about how the LA Times is shifting their assets from the print world to the new media world. I think it'd be a great opportunity for anyone living in the Los Angeles area uh, to get a better understanding of how new media is changing the way people communicate uh, without having to trans- uh, travel and without having to uh, take uh, days out of their out of their off their job to do it. Uh, so if that is interesting and you'd like to get more information, you can do that at www.schwartzmanpr.com. And now, uh, after this uh, brief announcement, we are going to play for you the interview with Dr. Howard Dobb after this. 
Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from iPressroom. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom. Tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom, always on, even when you're off. Howard, thanks for uh, sticking around to do this. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Tell us about Mediascape. Okay, well, Mediascape is, we think, a new form of broadcasting. Well, not broadcasting, but, but um, publishing information. Uh, we have broadcasting these days. Everybody knows what that is. We have podcasting. This is a little bit different. We, we call this placecasting. It's a type of, type of publishing where the information is contained in a particular location and that it is published when you go to that location. So clearly you need to be equipped to sense your location, so GPS does that, and you need to have a device that can either listen to the sound or see the images or the video that's broadcast when you get to that location. Give us an example of how you might use that. Yeah, we've done a number of these, uh, actually, um, and I'll give you a quick example of each. There was one done that was a play, and this was the Riot of 1831, uh, done in Bristol in Queen's Square, where they had a riot back in 1831. And we had actors acting out the parts of people in the square when the dragoons charged and 30 people were killed, I think, uh, and, and there were fires in the, in the houses. So people played various roles. And as one walks around the square, one can hear the sounds of people talking and the, the sounds of the day in that square. So that was one thing. It's sort of a historical play. We've also done these at schools where children, for example, play the parts of lions on an African uh, savanna. And where as they go around, again, they have to be equipped, but they have to find food and uh, um, find water and avoid being killed themselves. And again, all this information is fed to them as they walk around the schoolyard, depending on where they're at. So they, there's a water hole and there's other places. And, it, and that information gets published depending on where they're at. Uh, so a third one would be, um, let's say, Yosemite. We've done uh, a, a program with the um, Yosemite Association that has lots of sound and video around Yosemite, was looking to monetize it. And so we've done a pilot with them. A group of people will walk around Yosemite and see video popping up on their little handheld devices depending on where they're standing. So there's one place where if you walk into the woods and you're by a tree, a fallen tree, uh, suddenly pops up a video of a bear at that tree chomping on it. Okay, you, ho you hope the bear doesn't actually show up. But again, as you move around the landscape, appropriate media is fed to you that is interesting. Can you give us a, a potential commercial application? Well, actually, uh, Yosemite was looking to commercialize this as an experience for their customers. They have all of this media that they're trying to monetize. So this is a new experience for the customers. It, it could also include some games. Actually, gaming could be an interesting one. There's always money in, in gaming. And we've actually done some games, some, some um, pub games and games on the street. Um, and uh, people, you know, just as they pay for high-end uh, video or multiplayer games these days, 
uh, might play to pay to get you know, one of our devices and then interact with a bunch of other people uh, playing a sort of game. I'll give you one example that they did in um, London recently was called Escape from the Tower of London. And supposedly they were to, the players were to help somebody escape from the tower and avoid the beefeaters, these guys with these um, costumes and the funny hats. Uh, they had to avoid them, so they had GPS units on all of the beefeaters. And so as you escaped from the Tower of London, you obviously learned pieces of information about places that you were at, but you also could track where the beefeaters were and would have to avoid them you know, uh, by the time you left. So again, this is, that's a sort of a game. There could be other games. Um, we haven't quite gotten that far yet in terms of what else we would do with it. Now, I know you are also working on a project called Casual Capture. Uh, tell us about that. So Casual Capture, we envision as maybe being the future of, um, of consumer photography. It's not necessarily something a professional would use, but for consumers, um, frequently when you're out with your family, uh, you really don't uh, have the luxury of stopping everything you're doing, and I guess you could try getting your kids all lined up to take a picture of them, but particularly if they're young kids, uh, they don't cooperate very much. Uh, and frequently you, you miss critical uh, good shots um, because the camera's been put away because you're holding your kid. So Casual Capture is a wearable camera, which we've designed, the current implementation is designing, designing it into a pair of sunglasses. And it's basically taking pictures all of the time. It's taking seven and a half still frames per second and taking video at the same time. And with the get setup we have right now, it'll run for about three hours. So what you do is basically you continually take pictures, continually take video, and at the end of it, your software looks at all of this media and pulls out the best frames, that is the software has to make the decisions on what pictures are good, what pictures are interesting and important, and then maybe even for some of the pictures it might have to automatically crop it because the original picture really wasn't that good, only a piece of it was. So all of that has to be done automatically because you're going to have an awful lot of data to deal with. And so we bring in our computer you know, with its expertise built into it to do all of that processing for you. So that's kind of an example of it. Uh, you also uh, were talking about your uh, digital media platform, this uh, framework for handling uh, digital media. Walk us through uh, that framework. Yeah. So more and more, there's more digital media out there, professional digital media. We haven't quite gotten to considering consumer media, although that's growing at an enormous rate as well. But even looking at all of the video and film and uh, news media that's out there, question is, it, it's growing at such a, an alarming rate that the most critical problem that we'll have is how to find things and how to use things quickly, if, particularly if there's a, a time um, urgency. Uh, and so the digital media platform is basically an operating system, in a sense, for digital media. It supplies all of the underlying um, tools and services, uh, supplies a common language for all of the parts of the media supply chain, um, the things that have to be done with that media in order to take it from the uh, content owner to either uh, somebody who wants to distribute it or someone who wants to use it. And it provides them the media in the right format 
so that they could see it, for example, either on their TV set or on a cell phone or on an iPod or PDA. It does that automatically. Basically, once the media is ingested into this repository, you can pull it back out again in any of those formats, and it all happens automatically. So we're dealing with a generation, essentially, that has no film. Mm-hmm. Now, let's, if, if, if tomorrow uh, you were to leave your job at Hewlett Packard and be made the chairman of the board of Kodak, what would you do? How would you, what would your course of action be? Oh, I'm not sure I necessarily want to answer that question. Um, I mean, we fundamentally can go there. We can, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, 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 the, you don't have a mic, but uh, someone else in the room said, well, you know, we compete with Kodak. And that's, that's why I asked that yeah. question. I mean, certainly so many uh, uh, digital imaging companies like your, like yourselves, uh, well, they're not that many, but the ones that are out there have really given the, uh, the film companies a run for their money. So, I mean, is there a way for the film companies to stop the bleeding? No, I, I think, um, you know, uh, eventually... You know, the, uh, one of my colleagues named Benny Landa uh, has said frequently that everything that can become digital will become digital. And we're, we're seeing that happening, and that's happening in spades. So even though film, there's still film being used in movies today, there's still a feeling to film that you don't quite get from digital recording. But I don't doubt that that's going to change in a few years. Film eventually will go away, and, and, and it's exactly for the reason that uh, it's much harder to preserve film than it is to pre- preserve digital bits. Now, digital bits aren't easy to preserve either, but film is a bear. And uh, I think that um, the people that aren't doing things digitally need to be concerned about where their business will be in another 10 and 20 and 30 years. And I, I'll tell you, I'm personally an early adopter of technology. I'll go out and buy the new whatever it is before anyone else has it. I love that stuff. But I'm concerned because I've had a USB hard drive crash on me before. And I'm concerned, you know, in my storage chamber downstairs, I've got a shoebox full of Super 8 movies from the early 1900s of my family. And I can go down there and play them for my son. Now I'm a father. I'm taking pictures of my son. And I'm, I'm nervous that this USB drive that I'm storing them on is going to crash someday. Are we... Am I part of a generation that is going to have no memory? I mean, Yeah, that's a real problem. Um, so what I've been suggesting to people that, at least if we're talking about uh, still images, the best thing that they can do at this point in time is to print them out uh, the right, with the right media and the right ink uh, combination, which HP makes, which, uh, which Epson makes, um, and Canon, I'm sure, has something similar. The printouts are basically good for 100 years or more. And to me, that's almost a complete solution because in 100 years, they will have solved the rest of the problem. So I'm not going to worry about it after 100 years. And that actually is the best way. You could rescan that picture in, and it will be almost as good as the original. Not quite, but it's better than losing it completely. Uh, A good example is I've got pictures that are 100 years old today of my great-grandparents, which I can rescan in, I can reprint out, they look as good as at least the physical pictures that I have, uh, and and that's just fine. And now they're good for another hundred years. So, I think that's one mechanism. Um, how we preserve digital bits for hundreds of years is still a major problem. 
What about video? What about home video? Well, again, home video is a problem. Um, converting it into another format, I think you need to go digital to start with. I think it'll be easier to preserve the digital bits than it will be the physical video. Physical video won't disappear overnight. I mean, it might burn down, so you have to worry about that. Um, uh, with digital bits, at least you could uh, store it in a distributed way in many places you know, at the same time, so that's not a problem. But physically, there's a lot that could destroy it, a, house, a fire in your house. Uh, film tends to degrade slowly, so it's not going to disappear overnight, but it will degrade with time. It'll crack, and eventually, you know, it'll break, and it won't be usable anymore. So the best thing would still be to uh, scan it in. There are, there are services that'll do that, convert it to, digi to uh, digital format, store it on a high-quality DVD, and then re-record that onto something else every, you know, 10 or 15 years. Uh, by the way, your USB, um, is this a USB drive? Uh, yes, external USB hard drive. Oh, it's a hard drive, okay. Yeah. yeah, so some people are even storing things. I know my wife, which I have to stop her at some point, is, is leaving things on the uh, SD card in our uh, digital camera. So this is not video. Actually, some of it may be video. But, but the cards have gotten cheap enough that when she pulls it out of the camera with a few hundred pictures on it, she doesn't want to rewrite the card. She wants to save that somewhere and plug in a new card for $20. So it becomes a little bit like your digital negative. The problem is in 15 years, everything that was on that card will be gone. So, you know, there is a problem that I think uh, most people haven't faced up to yet, which is the preservation of um, media, um, both still and video and film, in a way that we've never had before, because um, in the past, it's all degraded slowly over periods of long periods of time. So film degrades over maybe hundreds of years. But it's gonna, it could happen quickly, and people need a strategy for it. And I don't think people, most people have thought of it yet. What about the studios? A number of the studios now are experimenting with digital cameras, and they're shooting their films, and they're creating digital assets that are there's no negative behind. And in the movie business, the, it's not uncommon to re-release a DVD with extended footage at a later date. So what challenges are they going to be presented with when it comes to maintaining their archives? So it's exactly what you say. And we have spoken with a couple of movie studios, and they presented us with exactly that problem, and they're looking for solutions. I don't think there's a good solution that exists today. I think maybe the best one may be a strategy where it is kept in a large uh, database somewhere, and someone pays attention to how to preserve the bits in that large data, data, database, maybe replicates it in multiple places, and, um, and periodically goes back. And I know that uh, there's a project that HP Labs is doing with Stanford University to uh, preserve digital bits. I forget what the name of the project is, but um, they put some good thinking. I remember when I heard the story about it, it really was very satisfying that they had really thought through all of the issues and had some strategy. But I think it is somehow going back and looking at some basis at what's stored, correcting the errors on some, at some basis so that you go back later on, um, everything's still okay in long, long, over long periods of time. And I forget what time frames they're talking about. It may be the objective may be to store it for 100 years and have nothing happen to it. Are there any generalizations you can make about this in a perfect world? If you were storing data live as best as you could and on removable media as best as you could, 
are there any generalizations you could make about the safety of that data in those in those different areas? Is it safer to have it live or safer to have it on removable media? By live, you mean a, a hard disk drive? Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, so disk drives, so I, I would just soon have it on a piece of removable media, I think. Uh, disk drives do crash. You know, in fact, every disk drive is guaranteed to crash. Uh, the time frames have gone up a bit, I think, in recent years. They used to crash, I don't know, every three or four years. You can pretty much imagine your drive was gone. Uh, and when they crash, it can be catastrophic, right? The head crashes, it just scratches the heck out of the disk. And recovering some information is possible, but it takes extraordinary, you know, um, a means to do it. And most consumers don't do, they don't remove the platters and, and have other people recover it for them. It's pretty expensive to do that. I think I would just as soon have removable media that I could store in controlled environment, a place that was cool and dry. And um, again, but even still, if it was on tape, um, it's only going to last so long. If it's on a, um, a flash drive of some sort, it's only going to be for so long. None of these things are permanent. Of the removable media that is ubiquitous and available to consumers, what's the best? I believe there are some high-quality DVDs. Again, best is a relative term. Oh, uh, what will last know. the longest? Um, do, do you have, you I have don't kids? Know, I don't know. that. Yes, I have kids. What do you keep your pictures on? You just print them out? or uh, my On what removable media are you storing those pictures? So my early, the pictures that we took of the kids, we print them out. My wife puts them in a safe deposit box. The printed pictures. The printed pictures. Okay. The rest of the media, when I take pictures, I have it on several different computers. It's stored on at least three different computers, two at home and one not at home. So if there's a house fire. To me, those images, those pictures with kids are the most valuable things, right? They're irreplaceable. And so they're stored in multiple places. Um, pictures are put on, are stored on DVDs and sent off to relatives. You know, it's cheap to do that. Uh, distrib distributing the data is probably the best way to preserve it. And then again, the data is going to age. So you know that in 10 years, uh, firstly, you better be careful because there may not even be a, a reader for the media. That's the other problem you face. It's not only that your DVD is going to fade away. I mean, the bits are going to start to have more and more bit errors. But you're not even going to have a player to play that DVD in 10 years because it's all going to be, not only is it not going to be Blu-ray anymore, it'll be what comes after Blu-ray. So I have, I mean, to remind me about this, I have somewhere at work an 8-inch floppy disk. There used to be 8-inch floppy disks, and I've got some work on it which I will never, ever be able to, to look at again. In fact, it's getting pretty hard to look at a five-inch, a five-and-a-quarter-inch floppy disk anymore. In fact, all the computers that I've bought in recent years don't even have a three-inch floppy disk, right? So you have all this stuff on these disks, and there are no readers around anymore. So that's equally a problem to the fact that the data is disappearing off the media. So maybe you can go to a service somewhere and, and find someone who can still read it. But slowly but surely, it's going to get harder and harder and harder to find something that will read those media, which are themselves degrading with time. So again, best thing to do is copy it, on, copy it onto multiple, in multiple places. And as time goes on, you need to recopy it onto the current media. 
Okay, whatever the new thing is. So you're going to need to copy it onto Blu-ray, find the best archivable quality available, and um, um, you know, just need to. I'm sure there are things published. Uh, there are companies that that evaluate these things. I won't mention any names, but there is a company that does better DVD storage than other companies, and um, store it on the best media you can, and then transfer it again. You know, this is an ongoing process. Uh, and then cross your fingers that in 20, 30, 50 years, somebody will find a way to store it onto something where it will last forever. So final question, yeah. seeing as how you are probably one of the world's foremost experts on printing and imaging, mm -hmm. what's the best way of, of outputting this image? Do we get a printer and print it at home? Do we? I know you guys own a service called Snapfish. There are competing services out there. Do we do it through them? Do we go to Fromex with a disc and have them do it? I mean, what is, of all the ways that you can output an image, what is the way that will last the longest? Yeah, so I, I think uh, the, in terms of, well, it's a combination of last the longest and get the best quality, right? Because you're going to have to rescan that image at some point in time. So there are printers, I think the inkjet printers that last 100, actually, you know, the, the number keeps changing, sometimes 117 years, you know, probably it'll be 200 years at some point. But there are inkjet printers that will do that. They'll give you the best quality you'll find anywhere. Uh, there are professionals, so we have a, a variety of grades of inkjet printers. So I wouldn't say your home printers are really good, but the truth is that there are professional level printers that cost, uh, I forgot what they are, $1,000, a couple thousand dollars. Um, that print with pigmented inks, that print eight colors instead of what you get, you know, it's typically a six color printer that you buy for the home. With eight colors, you get, you know, better quality, bigger gamuts, and that sort of thing. And they print with pigmented inks, and they are good for 100 plus years. So I would say there's probably a service that you could get that would use one of those printers that would be somewhat better than you could do in your home. But the, um, the printers at home which use, you know, there are th uh, printers that use three cartridges. One is a color cartridge. One is one that has different uh, tones of um, cyan and magenta. There's also another cartridge that has different tones of black. And those printers that have three cartridges that give you, I think it's, I think it's eight colors or seven colors, whatever, um, will do a pretty good job. There'll be a 90, you know, 98% solution uh, with the right paper, you need HP paper and HP ink cartridges, and are good for 100 years. So I would say that's really a good way to go. Print out your pictures. The, you know, not, maybe not all of them. But what the about one. the Snapfish way? How long will those last? So Snapfish is using, um, I think, Indigos, and I'm not sure what other printers they're using at Snapfish. So that's not a photographic process if you get... Because when I get the pictures back from mm -hmm. Snapfish, they're in an envelope that looks like it came from a printing, uh, from a photographic place, and they sort of bend. They almost look like they're on photographic paper. They're not? Oh, I think they are. I, I, I think there's a number of different outputs that you get from Snapfish. So, so they could very well be photographic papers. Well, they, I know they use Indigos for certain things, like calendars... And, and some of the output that they get. The actual photographs probably are photograph, photographic paper. They're probably normal photographs. Um, I honestly don't know what the archivability of those particular ones are. I don't think they do the printing themselves. I think they have um, uh, print service providers that they work with, and I don't know that you know, it's any particular one of them. It may be multiple ones. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk to us. My pleasure to be here.
Thank you. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. 